0: Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast, brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from Sticker Giant. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stickers on the Mic. This is Andrew. Today, we're very fortunate to be dialing in Brendan Leonard from Semirad, which is an outdoor-focused website and brand that covers a lot of bases. And in an effort to let Brendan tell his story, I'm going to turn the mic over to him right now. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Uh, it's, it's really great to have you here, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, do you want me to explain or attempt to explain what it is. I do. I like,
0: do I do want you to attempt to explain so that our listeners understand what Semirad actually is. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a website. It's, it's a brand. But like, tell us where Semirad came from.
1: Uh, boy, you know, it started as a blog um, because, well, I, I wanted to write stories about the outdoors or I guess sort of create content about the outdoors and adventure. So camping, hiking, skiing, trail running, rock climbing, all that sort of thing. Um, And I found that a lot of magazines weren't super interested in my idea of what was a good story. Um, So basically I started writing all these things that I thought were funny and putting them on a website, decided to do one a week. I thought, I'll just regularly do these once a week until something happens or I get sick of it. Um, and that sort of, um, I wouldn't say it was solely responsible for, uh, blowing up my writing career, but they sort of happened at the same time. And then, you know, I started, I, at the same time I had launched this blog, I started getting more magazine assignments and then, you know, a couple of years later it, it had become a thing where, um, more than one editor, of magazine said, just write this like you would write it for your blog. Um, which was a shock to me. Um, and since then that was 2011, February, 2011. So it's just over nine years old now. And I've kind of, um, noticed or, or sort of tried to evolve what I do according to where I can reach people. So, 2016 I started sort of drawing these little funny charts and putting them on Instagram. Um, they started, you know, I noticed that people reacted to them. So I bought myself an iPad and said, well, this could be a total waste of $1,200, or it could be one of the best things I've ever bought. And just a, a way to make these drawings a little bit more, um, Professional, I guess that's that's a bad word for it because they still don't look professional. But they're just, they're just hand-drawn charts that are jokes or uh, other things. I notice I call I started to call them emotional data visualization because um, they're they're not like um, you know actual statistics. It's like here's what happens when I go to a grocery store that I am not familiar with or or something like that. Um, they're, they're jokes. So, um, so that's led to me sort of designing t-shirts and, um, coffee mugs and doing, um, I do some of these charts for corporate clients because they feel like it's a good way to say things about what they do. Um, so yeah, the whole thing, I mean, it sort of started, I, I have a, um, my background has always been writing. Um, but that's led to filmmaking, uh, film directing, story, story development, consulting, um, voiceover work for films. Yeah. Writing books, writing magazine articles, just sort of everything. And it's, I just feel like it's a, probably like a lot of people feel it's just a constant hustle to stay afloat and not have to get a real job, I guess, at this point.
0: Right. Um, so you, your writing career obviously was in magazines, like you said, and you were doing that. But when it came to like writing books, I know um, when we, we met up at your house a little bit ago, you know, we were talking about your first book, but you're like, I don't really want to talk about my first book. And I, I can appreciate that actually <laughs> because um, it's so far away, right? You like mm-hmm. on to the next project, but that first book, you got to get that one out the door to like say that you write books, right? Um, how have you come up with these book ideas? That's really more, my question about the first book and then all the books is like, where did you come up with that idea?
1: Oh yeah. I, you know, I was just, um, had moved into my car after a breakup and was working remotely for a large tech company as a copywriter and, uh, really thought there was a story about road trips and trying to find yourself and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I was living in a, 1996 Subaru Impreza Outback for six months. Um, so not really sleeping in it too much if I could avoid it, but I had been reading road trip books my whole life and tried to string together quotes from those books and, um, you know, other, other things like, you know, Thelma and Louise, I think is a great road trip story, um, things like that. And just try to pull it together and try to figure out what, uh, you just ask some questions about how we live our lives and what we focus on. And, um, yeah, it, yeah I ended up self publishing it and it eventually sold around 10,000 copies still out there. Um, but I think publishers don't necessarily care about your idea sometimes if it's not a super strong idea, but if you can show them that you can sell, a few books on your own, they become a little bit more interested, which I think is what happened to me. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, since then I've only written two real narrative books. Um, one is about road trips and the other one is sort of about climbing and addiction. And then a lot of the other ones are sort of concept books that either publishers have an idea and need someone to write it, or I sort of have an idea that I pitch them. Um, so one is, one is called surviving the great outdoors Um, and it's just literally how to do everything that is like hiking, kayaking, whitewater rafting, camping, all those things with, with a little bit of humor and some illustrations from a friend of mine. Um, you know, I have one that just is coming out in April called the camping life, which is, um, I don't think I'm supposed to call it a coffee table book, but it has lots of really pretty photos in it from my friend, Forrest Woodward. And I think that's, um, the, the pull of it is it's our love letter to camping, but I think it's also something you throw on your coffee table and flip through from time to time. Um, so they, they kind of go all over the place and they have varying levels of success and sales and, um, not a single one of them has been a quote unquote bestseller. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if one of them does someday, maybe I'll, maybe I'll move into a bigger house or something. I don't know. <laughs> you
0: know? Nice. Um, So you uh, also do some speaking work. I noticed you were also a speaker at Ignite Boulder. I I did a talk there. I've done a couple there myself. So that's a fun thing. You, you end up getting to get your message out there doing public speaking. Do you find that work or does that work come to you?
1: Uh, yeah, it it generally comes to me, not in a huge, um, there's not a flood of people looking for a speaker like me. Um, I'm not the like Britney Spears headset, um, suit and tie Here's how you can climb your own Everest uh, speaker that you hire for your, um, your corporate event. I call myself a low polish motivational speaker where I tell a very authentic real story, but it's also, you know, it's not, I, I feel like the people in the audience hopefully can relate to it on a level of, Oh, this is how this sort of thing applies to my everyday life or work, but also maybe I could do something like that guy did, you know? Um, cause it's not too far out of reach, I guess.
0: Right. Um, when, when we were doing the video at your house, we were going through some of the products. You've got prints, you've got of course stickers. Um, but the fun thing you were just working on was this Yellowstone project. And I, I want without a visual, obviously just sort of walk us through coming up with like this sort of one-off product that you have that is in your tone and in your voice, but like it's kind of
1: different than like anything else you probably had to produce. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have to come up with an idea every week for my blog and some weeks, you know, I'll just draw a flow chart or something that's just a drawing. And most weeks I, I try to write cause that's easier for me and I'm not actually that good of a, an artist. Um, but you know, every year in Yellowstone National Park, there is there are stories of tourists getting way too close to wildlife, and I've seen it myself being there. Um, and you realize that a lot of people believe it is some sort of zoo without fences where the animals can be approached, and and I think people fail to recognize that like a bison can run like thirty miles an hour if you if you piss it off, um, which is like you're like sneaking up on a running motorcycle and if it decides to just drop its rear wheel, it's going to kill you. But, uh, anyway, so I've just always been sort of like sort of appalled at the way people do this, uh, treat Yellowstone. So I made a, can What's the, what's the, uh, policy with profanity on,
0: on the- <laughs> you can, you can go for it. <laughs> okay. So the name of the product, <laughs>
1: yeah, I drew these sort of, I drew these greeting card or, uh, baseball cards basically is what they are. And they're called things in Yellowstone that can fucking kill you. And so it's eight different animals and, um, other phenomenon so like grizzly bear elk mountain lion rattlesnake um, geothermal pools and the yellowstone super volcano and there's two others in there that I'm that I'm missing but a oh, moose something else anyway there you know it it describes three characteristics of the there's a photo sorry there's a photo of the animal on the front and it, it's i modeled it directly after like 1984 tops baseball cards or something like that. Um, and you flip it over and it has three characteristics of the, the animal, you know, how fast it can run, whatever, things like that, what they look like. And then the fourth one is always can fucking kill you just to remind people that, Oh yeah, these things can fucking kill me. And, uh, the fourth one is the Yellowstone super volcano, which if that thing erupts, there's a lot of us are going to be dead. So um, it's intended as a joke. And, you know, I put it on my blog and put it on Instagram. And somebody on Instagram said, you should actually make these into trading cards. And I started looking it up and you can do it. Um, you can get custom baseball cards printed. Like if you wanted to, if you have three kids and you want to get baseball cards made for your whole family, you could do this, you know? Um, so I did. And, um, I wouldn't say it's been the most profitable thing in the world. I think I had to have 200 of them printed and I I broke even, but it's just mostly this fun thing, you know, where people can have these funny trading cards. Um, but I've realized that I should maybe just make it things in the outdoors that can kill you because it's a little bit more broad. You don't have to have been to Yellowstone. Right. That could be your evolution of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. You know, you're just like, ah, you know, I want to do this thing that's like sort of an art project and then, you know, put it out on my virtual sort of arts and crafts market table and see if people like it. And you put it out there and a few people buy it and they dig it. And, you know, sometimes if they're on my website and they buy a t-shirt, they also buy a thing of Yellowstone trading cards that are funny to give to somebody or or whatever. Um, Yeah. One of these fun little prints, which some of these are really great. Right. They're just, they're cool. Yeah. Where you're just like, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make this and see if people like it. And you know, magnets are another thing or coffee mugs. And it's a really cool universe to be a part of right now where you can just make things and with relatively low costs, I guess.
0: Yeah. So how do you do, who's doing
1: your fulfillment
0: and all that back end of this
1: uh, it's a company called Printful. Oh, nice. And they're, I believe their corporate offices are in Charlotte, North Carolina. But so t-shirts, they print on demand, prints, they print print on demand. So basically if somebody goes to the website and orders a t-shirt, they print it and then they, they send it out. Um, same thing with coffee mugs, most of that stuff. I also sell signed books and like those Yellowstone trading cards. So I basically just send boxes of stuff to Printful and they... Warehouse them for a monthly fee, and then charge you I don't know like three dollars every time they fulfill something. So it's really hard to make money on very inexpensive items like trading cards. So okay. they're it's not really a money maker for me. More as as much as it is just hey, here's a fun thing. If you buy this, I won't lose money, <laughs> but I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be you know, brief. I'm not gonna be buying a new house with the the money from some of these things. So right um right on yeah cuz i know like just
0: figuring out fulfillment and e-commerce is for some people really daunting so it's good that you've been able to like scale it and it doesn't seem like it's something that's stressing you out you know what i mean
1: yeah it's i think there's a lot of options out there for people and just figuring out what works best for you is is definitely a thing and um you know i could could try to do it from my living room but it's it would be extremely difficult um, right, right. Just, I didn't realize how much really you know I think I don't know what the statistics are but you've, I've heard of like businesses saying oh we do over half our business um, during the holidays and you think of a storefront that's open 12 months a year and they don't do they don't do anything for several months but then all they just get crushed during the holidays and I saw that happen I didn't have to really deal with it. I wasn't like shipping stuff out of my living room, but I did see a few, you know, the customer service aspect was, was evident during that period where people were going, Hey, is my stuff going to arrive in time? And you just kind of got to be like, well, we'll see what we can do. And if it doesn't, I'll give you your money back, but enormous amount of sales during that period. So very,
0: very educational for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Learn as you go. Um, very cool. So that's a, that's a big part of your business there and, and trying to figure that part out. Um, on the top of the semi rad website, though, in, in the nav there, uh, I noticed there's a couple of things really stuck out is there's the 52 marathons and then the 100 favorite things pages. And I want to just talk a little bit about this. 52 marathons. Tell, tell us a little bit
1: about that. What, what went on there? Yeah. So I, I turned 40 last January, so January, 2019. And, um, I've been getting into ultra running the last, well, I guess almost five years now. Um, so we're running races longer than a marathon. And, um, I had started to just, I think 2018, I had sort of looked back at my Strava data and realized I'd run like six marathons without really trying, you know, I would to go for a long trail run or I paced a friend at a hundred mile race. So I, you know, accompanied him for the last 30 miles or whatever, walking and running. And I thought maybe I should do, try to do a bunch of marathons in 2019. And that turned into, maybe I should try to do 52 of them. Um, and I didn't tell anybody until I had done like five or six of them. And I was talking, you know, I tell my wife, I'm like, I think I'm gonna try to do this, you know? So it was like one a week. And, um, it wasn't like I would go do a race every weekend. Right. Those people do that. People have done it. Lots of people have, but it's logistically it's enormous to try to do that sort of thing. And uh, so I was just like, well, I'll just run one out the front door. You know, the first one I did was January 2nd. It was my, my I was staying with my parents for the holidays and just ran out their front door down some gravel roads in Iowa and, you know, got 26.2 miles in. And then I did one like four days later and thought, okay, I feel okay. Maybe I can keep doing these. And so it just went throughout the year like that. And um, the big thing for me was deciding whether if I ran say 52 miles or a hundred miles, if that counted as one marathon or three or four, however many. Um, And early on, my friend Forrest said, you should just count it as however, you know, you should do. If it's 78 miles, you should count that as three marathons. So when I signed up for a hundred mile race or did a 50 mile training day, I would stop my watch after 26.2 miles and then restart it again and just keep going. Um, Uh, so it's not, you know, if you want to, if you want to split hairs, you could say, Oh, that's not 52 marathons, but you know, it was good enough for me. So I was able to finish it and, early December of last year and, uh, definitely felt it, you know, definitely was that's, I ran about 2000 miles last year and, you know, every week I ran one twenty-six point two mile run. So you do the math. I was only running like three times a week, but one of those times was always a marathon. So, um, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I don't know, sort of maybe hope that it might inspire other people to do something like that. If not, you know, not necessarily that many marathons, but like a weekly thing, you know, um, which I think is doable for a lot of people, but we always think, I think we tend to think of things as more of like, we need a huge goal, you know, as opposed to just one that's every week that builds up. Uh, And isn't that, that's the topic of your Ignite talk too, right? Like something about
0: like celebrating doing it small or something like that (laughs)
1: yeah the joy of making it small there there you go the joy of making it small and that (laughs) event is one of the most terrifying things i've ever done um because if people haven't heard of it it's a i don't know if you feel the same way andrew but it was like like what is it six minutes of you have, you have five
0: minutes and you have 20 slides that auto advance and yes. you have the Boulder theater in front of 800 people who are pretty boozed up and there to have fun, not yes. at your expense, but just to like be entertained through public speaking, which is this very unique sort of thing. And we actually had Andrew Hyde, uh, who started Ignite Boulder on the podcast last year. And, um, you know, I've done two of them. I did a talk about the cannabis class that I teach and then the star Wars class that I teach. And I'm pretty familiar with those topics, but you're going through the speaker training and you got to get, you know, really tight slides for 20 of them in five minutes. And you like, you're practicing in the car, in the shower, walking around for like weeks trying to really like, where's my laugh line? Where's this? How am I going to do this? And it is even though I know it, and I volunteered, and we sponsor through Sticker Giants through those events, and I get paid to talk in front of people, it was
1: absolutely terrifying. Oh yeah, and if you if you mess up, you don't get to go back. You don't no, just, just pause gotta, your slides. You, you got to go, dude. <laughs> because because it auto advances through the next. It's like five people in a row, right? Correct. It like, you got to get off the stage. Yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. So you have to finish and it is a very forgiving, very supportive crowd. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been there when people have lost their place and it's, it's uncomfortable But people just like, they get you back into it by like applauding and whatnot, but it's terrifying. But yeah, my, my talk was, um, about, you know, as you're young and you're a writer or a creative or whatever, you have these illusions that you're going to be a best selling author or, uh, you know, have the number one song in the country or whatever. And the idea of just making a living as an artist or a creative, um, that's not, you're not famous, but you are able to do it as a full-time gig is a thing you don't really hear about very, very often. And I, I really have enjoyed that. And it was one of the central parts of the story was having a guy just like chase me down at garden of the gods in Colorado Springs. When I was there working on a climbing guidebook, just like tailgated me and pulled, I pulled over and, he was just happened to be on a road trip uh, from out from Tennessee, uh, inspired by the book I had written, like published like six months earlier. And he just like saw my van, which had my website name on the side of it, and chased me down. And we met, and it was like this cool thing. Like got us got my photo taken with him. And you don't realize you're reaching people unless they tell you, you know. So super cool thing, and just other thing, other benefits like that. Like maybe being a best-selling author isn't you know the only mark of success you can you can hang on to totally
0: that's awesome sorry we we segued from the 52 marathons into the ignite talk but yeah but that's okay because um it's part of your story and then you got this 100 favorite things page which is just kind of a cool like way for people to get to know you which has like all kinds of just random links to things that you like and it's clearly very much like in your your um your voice, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what inspired you to do like, here, I'm going to put up this list just so what people don't ask you or, or what?
1: Um, no, I just like, so I do this, God, it's almost, how many years ago is this now? Probably almost five years ago. I started doing this an, a post on my blog every Friday, um, which is now just, it's a, comes in email newsletter too, but it's called Friday inspiration and it's, yeah just things that I find on the internet every week that I think are great because I spend some time, you know, bouncing around the internet reading things and it's my way of sharing it. And I really think that at least half of the people who subscribe to my, uh, email list or visit my website are there just for that. And they don't care what I write on Thursdays. Um, so it's one of those things where I just collect cool things, almost always positive, you know, things that I think are inspiring in one way or another, you know, if the story itself that is linked to, that I linked to, isn't like a really positive story, at least the writing is admirable or something like that. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of just was like thinking about what are a hundred things that I really like all time things that I am into. And so I started going through and like, yeah, there's a few books, a few albums, a few this and that. And, I just came up with a hundred of them cause I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be fun. And, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some YouTube stuff, some like Spotify playlists, restaurants, you know? Um, and I think, I think everybody should try to sit down and come up with something like that. At some point it's, it's pretty fun to think about like with no categories, you know, no limits, just, just what are your favorite things?
0: Right. Uh, That's a lot of fun. Um, and, and I noticed there's a link to like the gear, obviously you're in the outdoor industry and gear is a big part of that. It's kind of the gas in the tank for pretty much every, you know, especially editorial having spent time in the outdoor industry myself. Um, knowing that gear and gear reviews, you know, is kind of how you can keep the lights on. Um, how do you do your, your gear partnership there? Um, with the site that you, how does that
1: function as a part of the business? I guess uh, up until really recently, it was just an advertisement on the site, um, that I had from company from outdoor research. And I just recently switched to, uh, Arcteryx as a sponsor. And that doesn't necessarily involve having an ad on my site. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's more of based on appearances, uh, you know, public speaking, stuff like that, creating things for them and just in general being an ambassador for them, which is cool. Um, and you know, I, I tried to do gear reviews on my site early on and realized I was a super horrible at Um, there are people who are great at telling you the difference between, fabric X and fabric Y and which one is more water repellent yet breathable. And I am just awful at it. You know, I just want to put on a jacket and go and go do my thing and hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, I'll get a different jacket, but I just don't, I just don't pick things apart that way. And, um, I've had to tell people that when they're like, we we could send you some gear to review. And I'm like, I it's, it's don't do that. It's bad. It's a bad idea. You know? Um, but early on it was a really cool way to get free stuff, you know, and, and you're like, yeah, I'll review a tent, you know, or whatever. But when you realize how much you have to dig into those things and like figure out the difference between, too tense or to you know, what works and what doesn't and all that stuff, it's, it's difficult for me. I like stuff that works, you know, and most of it works pretty well.
0: Right. And they're not going to like pay you to review something that doesn't work and they're not going to waste pages or, or pixels
1: to, you know. to Yeah. Or, or what's the point of like, you never see anybody being like, here's the top five tents you should not buy. Well, right. (laughs) This one sucked. This one sucked. It's always like, which is good. I don't, I don't see any point in like writing negative reviews about anything, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, yeah, I like to have stuff that works and, you know, being a part of the outdoor industry for gosh, over 10 years now, you find ways of getting it, you know, for free or cheap or used or whatever. And, I haven't been in a situation where I've needed to, to buy something, um, brand new retail for, for a while. I I occasionally do. uh, But like, you know, it's, it's nice. You know, you, you realize that at a certain point you kind of just have most of the stuff you need. And yeah, well, like I'll look down and be like, Oh, this ski jacket's like four years old. I should, I'm representing this brand. Perhaps they would like me to wear something newer. I don't know, but, uh, but you don't really need to. So,
0: so you've been able to partner with some companies to to help out with the site, um, which is a nice little sort of foundation, but otherwise it's, you know, getting out there and doing it and, and doing the work. Um, what does your creative process look like to come up with one of those graphics? You've By setting a weekly deadline for like a post or whatever, or, or whatever your, your goal is, that repetition and that routine is obviously crucial, but Mm -hmm. like, how do you come up with the idea itself? I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hadn't, um, so the year before I started my website, before I started semi I went on this bike tour across the U S with my buddy. Um, and we were trying to raise money for the nonprofit I worked for at the time. So as a way of keeping, staying in people's consciousness and also updating our mothers and girlfriends where we were. I kept a blog of our trip and this is, I didn't have an iPhone. I think Tony had one of the the newer iPhones at the times. It's 2010. Um, I was very unfamiliar with asking your phone for directions at that point. I don't don't know (laughs) if anybody did that. So I had this, I had this little like Asus laptop that was like a, basically a netbook. It was a $300 thing I got from Best Buy and a digital camera. And I would, every night we would stop at a hotel. Tony liked hotels. He was not a big camper cause he's seven feet tall. So there's also, it's also hard to find a tent that fits a seven foot tall person, but, uh, and a sleeping pad, et cetera, et cetera. So we'd stop at a hotel every night and um, I would write what happened that day. And, you know, a lot of days it wasn't that exciting, but I realized that, yeah, it was, it was you know, pretty boring day, but a lot of my friends who were just at their jobs you know, back, back in Denver or wherever, just working, it was more exciting than some of some of their days at work. So a little escape for them. And I, um, I, I read that back in the day. Okay.
0: I mean, so I was the target audience and it did do that for me. Awesome. Right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I read your work when I was at backpacker and then, you know, I, the launch of semi rad when it went live, I was like, this is just great. Oh, <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> like the way it all came together. I was like, talk about parlaying like the ethos and, and explain to me, or, or not just me, I know, but for our audience, the ethos of what like semi dash rad actually is because to read the stories and go on the site is one thing and see the graphics on Instagram, but you, you explained it to us and explain it to our listeners a little bit like the semi rad, like, concept.
1: Yeah. So yeah, to back up, I was, um, after that bike trip, I was talking to a friend who works at a branding agency and I said, I think I want to start a blog. And we were just having coffee and he goes, you know, one thing to think about the thing I really liked about your, your blog, when you biked across America is that every morning it was there. When I got up, I knew there was going to be something to read. And he said, you might think about that regularity. And I, right there, I said, okay, I'm going to do it every week. Then, you know, and a lot of people will start a blog and say, I'm going to blog every day. And it's, there's, it's just that's really difficult for a lot of people to come up with a new piece every day. So I said, you know, every Thursday, I think I can pull that off. Um, so at the time, I don't know why I fixated on the, the word semi rad. I'd seen this book called semi tough when I was a kid like 13 years old, walking around the mall in Omaha, Nebraska, and in like a Walden books or something. And this, the cover had always stuck with me as the phrase semi-tough. And it turns out it's it's a book about football. Like I think it's fiction. I've never read the book. I just remember the cover. And I I thought, oh, semi-rad. It's kind of like, yeah, we're not, I'm not that great. I'm not like climbing Everest or even El Cap. I'm not winning marathons. I'm not like super, I'm not really good at that good at anything, but I have fun. And I think most people are like this, you know, most of us are not in the top 3% of our sports, you know, we're just out there doing our thing. So maybe I can capture that sort of ethos and put that in the form of stories on my blog and find the things that we have in common. Um, And since then it's sort of, I would say it's evolved a little bit. The original tagline was something like, the relentless pursuit of the every man's and every woman's adventure. Um, And I think of it more nowadays as a place to create um, content that's positive in some way. Yeah. Some of it has to do with adventure, but sometimes I just write about something that's that's barely relevant to adventure, but is also a life thing. Um, Just hoping that it doesn't, you know, there's so much stuff. If you spend any time scrolling through anything besides Instagram, you're like finding so much negative stuff to read. And the internet in general, just makes you feel bad in a lot of ways. And I think, well, if these posts are not going to go worldwide or, you know, they're not going to like blow up the internet, but maybe they'll make a difference to a handful of people, you know, every Thursday or every Friday when I do them. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I've sort of, I'm not, a extremely positive person by nature, but I have sort of disciplined myself to not be negative on the internet. Um, so I, people might, you know, if they meet me, they might be like, you." I thought you'd be really, um, really enthusiastic and, um, you know, really, really positive in person. I'm like, yeah, well, okay. Sometimes. Yeah, I am. I think in general, I'm, I'm writing notes to myself sometimes with some of this stuff and being like, this is the way you should be. Don't be this way. Um, just trying to trying to make the world a better place in a a very small way.
0: Well, right now we need a little bit of that, don't we? Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, yeah. Not to date date this episode, but folks we're recording this on March 19th of 2020 and there's a massive snowstorm here in Denver looking out my window and, uh, you know, the world is, uh, coming to grips with a new reality. So uh, we appreciate Brendan that you're willing to not be negative on the internet and also give people something to take away. I think those Instagram things, those little vignettes that you do are just fun and they're, you know, instantly shareable. I mean, they play really well on Facebook, that's for sure. Um, But then, you know, it's given people something to latch onto. That's not the news of the day. And I I have to say it's suffocating right now. And I appreciate the, uh, the energy and effort you're doing to put in something every week, man, that's not easy
1: to do. Yeah. And you gotta, I mean, I've been thinking terms in terms of, you know, if you're, if the content you create responds to the news or the sort of thing that's of the moment, oftentimes that content is only good for about five or six days. And I sort of want things that are able to live a lot longer than that, you know, like, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't want to be, you know, maybe we'll get away from smartphones at some point, but I think we're going to have toasters, you know, in like 30 years. So jokes about toasters are always going to be, they're going to be pretty good, probably through the end of my lifetime, unless we find a better way to make toast. Um, like don't put a knife in it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know? Like that. And Time-honored advice from your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a place for that sort of stuff. But I always think of like, if I'm writing this, could it go in a book and be good in five years? Or would it be sort of, you know, of the moment and go away? Um, and I have done a handful of those things. But yeah, right now it's, it'd be, there's a lot of material you can put out that has to do with the way everybody's feeling right now. And it's, I think some of it is, you know, it's good, but I also, I kind of battle with that going, well, maybe I just want to sort of keep doing my thing in good taste, you know, not like, not like avoid the issue, but sort of just do your thing and be a break from all the, cause like be a break from all that news because literally your entire news feed is taken up by Articles about this, and it's not helping. It's not helping me become less anxious. Um, right, and
0: you got to separate. There's Brendan, the guy with the social network, and then there's Brendan who runs SemiRad, who's trying to make sure that the rent. Gets you know the lights do mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying, and you don't ever want to. It's really difficult with business in the in the social media age too, for sure. Yeah. Um. So with that said, and I definitely don't want to end in a bummer because this is this show is all about promoting small businesses and people like yourself who have an idea and really follow through. That. Uh, what do you think is next for SemiRad? Other than global pandemics, you know, uh, aside, like what do you? Where Where is rad going to go in the next year? Or so.
1: you know, I'm trying to figure out more ways to, um, make things that will be, um, useful to people on their walls, you know, um, things like that. Other book ideas. I have book projects in the works. Um, you know, it's cool to like, to be able to reach people via social media, but a large part of what I do is just basically giving away these square shaped charts and they just get they get used without attribution all over the internet and it doesn't really benefit me that well. So I'm like, would rather be something that's a little bit longer lasting than just that day in somebody's life. So I have a few different um, products that I'm, I was going to put out a few different things in the next couple of months, but I don't, you know, it's like, it's really just, tone deaf to be like, Hey, you should buy this new poster that I, that I'm introducing today, you know? And when people are worried about a lot of different things besides, you know, what's going on, I'm, I'm not, I'm not counting on the revenue from this new poster or this new shopping bag design to like um, to carry me through the next month. And I think it's okay to not to uh, to not be introducing those things when people have a lot bigger worries on their, on their plate right now. So Plus it would just be a bad sales tactic. <laughs> like, what are you <laughs> talking about? You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, we're to buy toilet paper. I don't care about your new t-shirt design. You know? We're
0: we're very much trying to balance that ourselves too. And and we're we sort of provided an essential service in a in a way where you know, people need labels for products. So like mm-hmm. we have to make that stuff so that other things can be made. And so being part of the supply chain is tough and keeping our customers happy and and not pissing off everybody on social media is also that really tough balance that yeah. we, all, we all play. And our social media person is very in tune in that. And, and she's keeping her finger close on the pulse. Cause it's not, it's not fair in these times to seem like you're trying to take advantage of people. You want to be there to no. that, add value and, and maybe levity too, you know, uh, without not having seriousness in, in in a, you know, understanding the sobriety of the situation. So, um, it's good that you're promoting to people to get outside as long as they're six feet apart and everyone's washing their hands. Right. So, um, but, um, I'm glad you haven't done that as a graphic yet. (laughs) Um, Although I guess getting outside is like the original social distancing, right? That's the beauty of that sort of pursuit. Um, Yeah. But, um, in any event, thank you so much for, um, for sitting down with us and, and sharing quite a lot. Actually, we, we covered a lot of ground and I hope folks were able to pick up some of those, those mantras. Uh, where can people find you, Brennan, if they're looking for you uh, out there on the internet? Uh,
1: semirad.com is the website. And, um, if you want to find me on Instagram or Twitter, it's semi underscore rad. on on both of those. Uh, I'm deleting my Facebook at the end of March, so no no more Facebook. The
0: cleanse. Wow. Okay. Your personal or the semi-rad?
1: Both. Oh, wow. Just doesn't, doesn't seem to be working for me anymore. So what's the point?
0: I will miss you. I have to say, I do love those popping into my feed, but I could see you, I could see why you'd say that because Facebook is kind of going in a direction that some people can't quite. (laughs) you know, like it just, for some people, it's not where they want to be. Instagram is clearly your like best sort of, aspirational platform for what you do and the kind of stuff you do. Yeah. And
1: owned by Facebook, but I'm yeah, just gonna...
0: right. You can't win them all. Yeah, I know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Uh, folks, you know, find Brendan out there. Uh, we're in all the places that he mentioned. It's always a pleasure sitting down with you folks. Be safe out there. Be well. Thank you so much for tuning in to stickers on the mic. We hope you we've been able to add a little bit of service and perhaps, Little bit of levity to your to your week. So thank you everybody out there in podcast land. It's always a pleasure. And don't forget, every sticker has a story. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Thanks Andrew. That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by stickergiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to StickerGiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% of your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.